Hello, and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own Sasson, we bring to you Career Talk with OG. Okay, now let me just briefly introduce our panelists. I'm just going to introduce them very briefly because um, they're going to be telling their own stories. So our first uh, guest is Sean Tai, who is the Executive Director of BridgeGood, which is located in Oakland, and I'll let him tell you all about that. Then we have Oscar Garcia, who is the Chief Empowerment Officer, excuse me, CEO of Aspira Consulting. And then Ari Chung, who is the founder of the Storyteller Academy, uh, and he'll let you know exactly what that means. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to our panelists. Um, is there anyone who would like to go first? I can go first. Okay. Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks, Christine, for inviting me. I'd like to share um, a little bit about my background and what I do and how I got there. It's been um, kind of a long, longer road. But um, so my name is Ari Chung. I'm a children's book author and illustrator. Can you guys see the slides okay? Let me know if you can. Let me move this chat to the side. Um, I love storytelling and I love making uh, picture books. So my job now, I have a couple of different careers. Um, it started off with, um, well, recently, I not recently, but uh, I eventually made my way to making picture books. And I want to tell you that, that story here uh, today and share that story about following your passion and also some tangible um, advice on how to get there. So um, these are my books. I've illustrated about uh, eight picture books and Ninja is a very popular series. Um, it, there's three Ninja books and kids dress up and they send me pictures. Uh, Mix won the FCBG award, which is the best children's book in the UK a few years ago. And there's uh, it's really popular in schools. I use this color theory to talk about diversity. Um, here's me in, at the award ceremony with a bunch of kids. This award's really cool because the kids actually vote for the best book. So they really um, love mix and that makes me feel great. Um, I'm also the founder of Storyteller Academy. <coughs> Excuse me. We help other people who dream about becoming children's book authors and illustrators learn the craft. So we teach them everything from how to write stories, how to draw. Uh, we also help them get agents and we're also building a self-publishing program. And during the pandemic, I actually started another online art school uh, called Creativity School. And in Creativity School, we um, teach kids art and storytelling. So it's, it's pretty fun. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about um, chasing your dreams and also exploring and, and trying to find what resonates with you. Um, I love storytelling because there's so many powerful themes and stories. And one of my favorite stories growing up was Dumbo. And what I loved about Dumbo so much, if you recall, if you've seen this movie, is that Dumbo could always fly, right? He just didn't have the confidence or the belief. And sometimes it takes a friend or a mentor to give you some confidence and a little bit of guidance, and you can do amazing things. And that's one thing that I really love about what we do at Storyteller Academy is that people have lots of ideas for stories, but they're not sure what to do next or they're, or they're 
doubting their abilities or they're doubting their potential. And we've helped so many people now become published authors, um, which is, you know, a, a big kind of bucket list goal. So the first thing I want to teach you or to share with you today is uh, I know that the biggest shifts and the biggest growth um, that happened in my life is when, when I actually experienced something tough. And so if you're going through some hard things right now, um, just know that that is a lesson. There's a lesson there for you to be able to take that pain and to be able to learn from it and to help you reach the next ground. So I'll give you some concrete examples in my life. So uh, after art school, I worked in video games for a while. I worked on lots of mobile games. And to be honest, I didn't really love the game industry. Um, I was making a bunch of games that I didn't really care for. And I went from startup to startup. I worked my way all the way up to art director. And then I worked with a pretty difficult creative director. He had a pretty bad temper and he fired lots of people. And he actually fired me. I had never been fired before. I was pretty shocked. Uh, but you know what? I knew that this, I was actually kind of relieved because I knew that wasn't the place for me. And I was also, um, fed up for, uh, about working in video games and I made the decision that I would work extra hard and, um, and make books and that led to uh, my first children's book so after that job I um, started really working on my children's books I'd go to the go to Starbucks uh, I did get another job to pay the bills but I was so determined that I was going to make that change because I knew otherwise I would be stuck at kind of a dead end job that I would be stuck in the in the game industry. And that's led me to on this whole new path. So, um, you know, a lot of times in life, you're really busy and then something terrible has to happen to kind of wake you up. For me, I had a terrible bike accident that <laughs> left me pretty uh, beaten up and it made me realize that I was so busy um, at the time, I had a failed business that I tried and failed. I had a bunch of books that didn't work, that didn't do so well. And, um, and I was trying to do too many things. But this accident made me realize that I only really cared about making two main stories. And one of them is called Ming Lee, which is a, a graphic novel I'm working on now. And the other one was mixed. And I knew after I recovered that this was the story that I wanted to really concentrate and make this year. And this has been my best selling book. It's won awards. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you're going through hard things, it helps you focus and realize what you really want to do. Um, I think of those in the last like 20 years as two really big milestones of painful moments that led to a change. So, you know, in your life, if you're going through something that's hard and tough, try to see where is it in your story that's going to make a change for you. And then the last thing um, is just to decide and get started. A lot of times we'll think that we don't know enough um, and you might not, um, but the number one thing that will help you get there is just to get started. And you can get started by um, setting up small little milestones, you know, for, for making children's books, it was really like, I'm gonna, at this time, every single day, I'm gonna go to the coffee shop and work on my stories. And I'm gonna learn how to make a dummy. And I'm gonna learn all these things I didn't know. 
But if you start learning little steps by steps, you eventually get to the bigger end goal. I, I didn't know that, you know, 15 years later that I would be teaching online and that I would have schools teaching the thing that I love to do, which is tell stories. And I still make books. And that's pretty much uh, my life. And my life isn't something that is, um, is in a traditional route at all. You know, when I first graduated uh, college a long time ago from UC Davis, I was an economics major, but I was really, really unhappy. And so I started following my curiosity and it's led me on this big path. Um, but whatever it is that you're curious about, especially since you're so young, is just get started and uh, take classes or take some mentorship. And every little class, every single thing that you're learning is, is, a, little, is a little stepping stone. Um, and take your time. You know, you don't want to like do everything at once because once you try to do everything at once, it ends up kind of blowing up in your face. Wait for it. <laughs> She's so cute. But, um, you know, I think a lot of times we expect everything to happen so fast, but really in reality, um, everything takes practice and we actually learn best in bite-sized pieces. And so you want to just take your time and, and really think about the fundamentals that you need to learn um, and focus on those and take and do small experiments. And this is really where a coaching or a teacher or a guide really helps you because they help kind of feed you the information that you need right then and there. And then you just learn by doing. So those are the main tips that I, and, and my general story that I want to share with you today. Um, I think we're going to go through other stories that have Q&A at the end. Thank you, Ari. Before we move on, I did want to ask if you might share a little bit about what Mixed is about, because I think it's a fabulous book, and I, obviously you do too, and I actually used it in my freshman seminar last semester, oh, so just if you could tell the audience a little bit about what it's about. You guys just want to read it? It'll take like two minutes. Yeah. You want to read it? Okay. I have it up. So this is Mixed. I'll just take a minute. It's, it's a picture book. Mixed, a colorful story three colors. In the beginning, there were three colors, reds, yellows, and blues. Reds were the loudest, la, 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 la. Yellows were the brightest, and blues were the coolest. Everyone lived in color harmony until one afternoon when a red said, reds are the best. The yellows disagreed. No, we're the best because we're the brightest. The blues were too cool to respond. The colors decide to live in separate parts of the city, Redville, Bluetown, and Yellow Heights. But one day, a yellow noticed a blue, and something happened. I feel so happy when I'm near you, and I feel so calm when I'm with you. Yellow and blue became inseparable. Life felt so vibrant. But not all the colors were happy about it. Colors shouldn't mix. I don't like that yellow's effect on blue. That blue isn't bright enough for yellow. But yellow and blue loved each other so much, they decided to mix. Together, they created a new color. They named her green. Green was bright like yellow and calm like blue. But really, she was a color all of her own. Everyone was fascinated. I've never seen anything like her before. She's so cute. Even the grumpy colors fell in love with green. Can I hold her? The colors began to see new possibilities. Soon, other colors mixed and mixed and mixed and mixed. There were so many new colors and a lot of new names. 
Don't forget your glasses, Lambda. Be careful, Jade. Have fun, Amber. The old neighborhoods of Redville, Bluetown, and Yellow Heights didn't make sense anymore. Everyone wanted to live together, so they rebuilt the city. The new city was full of color. It wasn't perfect, but it was home. And that's the end. So this book, I have this idea for <laughs> many years, and it took that terrible bike accident to, to, to kind of wake me up and say, hey, spend some time and really make that book. And yeah, as an artist, I feel like that's one of the, that's sort of our role is to make great things for the world. And, um, but you know, each one of us has an inner voice and ideas. And I really think that it's by having that courage to pursue um, what God has made for you and your own unique person that you are able to carve your own, make your own path in life, you know? Um, so anyway. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ari. And you got a lot of good comments in the chat about that book. I guess people are, are familiar with it. So thank awesome. you so much for sharing that. And I think we will we'll save questions until the end. But thank you so much for that presentation. Oh, I thanks. really appreciate it. And then um, who would like to go next, Oscar or Sean? Yeah, I'll go next. That's fine. Um, thank you, Ari. That, love that. Love that uh, story and, and your story uh, in general. Thank you so much. So hi, everyone. Again, I'm Oscar Garcia. So um, I'm local. I've uh, grown up in the in the Bay Area. I was actually born in Southern California. A month after I was born, we moved back. My parents and I moved back to Mexico, lived there until I was five. And then my parents said, hey, we're going to return to the U.S., um, work, live there for about a year, save some money, and then return back to Mexico. And um, at the time, my parents were migrant workers, so they were kind of moving along down in the Palm Springs area, Coachella Valley, following the crops. And uh, my aunt, my mom's sister, uh, she still does, lives in Mount View, and she was the one who encouraged my, um, my parents to move to Mount View. And so at the age of five, came to Mount View, and we actually never went back to Mexico. Um, uh, went to elementary, middle school, high school here in the area. And then for college, I went to UC Berkeley. I'm a first generation uh, professional, the only one out of a total of 10 kids that um, went off to college. My dad had a um, first grade education. He was a dishwasher. My mom worked in housekeeping, middle school. And, um, but uh, today I want to talk to you about three main things, folks, that to me, it's taken me a long time to uh, get to this point, to embrace, but it has certainly helped me in my career journey, and I think will help you. And the first thing that I want to talk about is embracing your journey. I always say that we all have a story. We all have a story to tell. Um, you know, for me, uh, like I said, I was um, uh, low income, so I was on that free and reduced lunch program. Uh, I I'm an ESL kid, and so, you know, granted, I learned how to speak English when I was a kid, but still, I remember as a kid, uh, my friends making fun of me because of my pronunciation, my English pronunciation, they would be like, Oscar, say Marine World, and I'd be like, Maringuas, and be like, oh my gosh, Oscar, that is so funny, say it again, right, and of course, I didn't feel good, I didn't like it when my ESL uh, tutor would come to my class in third grade, and I was the only kid that she singled out to go she was helping me but again it was just like the stigma right like I wore this big letter e on my chest e for ESL kid like dumb kid it doesn't know English and um 
And so anyways, I mean, all these things, right, that, that uh, we experience, whether you're first-gen, low-income, or just, I don't care, maybe you're Richie Rich, I don't care, okay, but you still have a story. And today, though, when I look back at my journey, I realize that I learned some many valuable life lessons. Um, going back to ESL, I mean, I'm multilingual. I mean, one of the things in my business today, it, uh, I do trainings and it has opened the door. The fact that I am fluent in Spanish and also culturally, you know, fluent as well. It has opened the door to do international trainings across Latin America. I've done now trainings in over five continents. Okay. And it is because I speak another language. It's not a handicap. It is something positive and so again that's one of the things that I encourage all of you to embrace your journey don't be embarrassed of the struggles that you've gone through I oftentimes tell people that listen we all go through crap crap stinks but it's also fertilizer how we react to the challenges in life it is our choice and in my case I've just chosen to turn those challenges into fertilizer number two is value your identity as well um, the word minority has a tends to have a negative connotation. I constantly hear the same thing, underserved students, it tends to have a negative connotation. And again, growing up, I kept hearing the word minority, Oscar, you're minority, Oscar, minority, right? And it's like, okay, what does that mean? Oh my gosh, okay, that we are the group that has the least college attainment, that we're this, we're that, right? Again, like these negative connotations. And then folks, check this out. I worked in the tech industry and startups for about 12 years. And so I remember being in sales meetings and um, the VP of sales would be talking about how our product or service service was different from the competition and how, you know, our differentiator, what's our differentiator? How can we do And I started thinking, I'm like, this is kind of interesting because growing up, the word minority made me feel like I was different and like there was something wrong with me, like I'm less than, and now I'm in the business world and companies value being different. And that's a powerful thing. And all of a sudden I was just like, hallelujah. I, my whole life I've been groomed to be like, to kick rear end out there by being different. I'm like, and I started to embrace being a minority because see folks, here's the thing that I realized anyone that's ever accomplished anything of significance, it's a small number. It's a minority. We just had the Winter Olympics. First of all, how many, how many athletes actually made it to the Winter Olympics? Very few. How many actually won a gold medal? Very few, i.e. a minority. And so it's just like, again, embrace that identity. I mean, today you can call me minority booger picker. I don't give a rip what you call me because I know who I am. And then the third thing, folks, that I want to leave you is the power of vulnerability. See, Growing up again, and there's cultural, gender, and so many other things, you know, with that. I mean, you know, growing up in Latino culture, right? Like, I remember my dad, Oscar, don't you dare, you know, uh, let people know what's going on, you know, in the family. My dad was an alcoholic, okay? I'm like, okay, dad, I won't, right? And we grow up with this idea that we don't dare uh, air out our dirty laundry. And listen, I am not here to tell you to be what you, the way some of you are on Facebook, you know, that you broke up with your boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever. That is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about in terms of the power of vulnerability, folks, is I want you to think of someone you highly admire, that you respect, and that person shares the struggles that they went through, 
how they overcame those struggles and the lessons that they learned. I don't know about you, but I have newfound respect for that person. The fact that I'm like, oh my gosh, that person is like, I can totally relate to the story. And so embracing that vulnerability, right, is very critical. Why? Because I don't care if we're on Zoom or if we're meeting face-to-face or however it is that we interact, but there's a human component to connecting with another human being. And that is that when we connect with the person's heart first, not intellectually, because see, that's what academia, UC Berkeley taught me by these college professors, you know, that I need to like be super smart and, you know, come up with these like amazing words. But what my dishwasher dad taught me is son, connect with the person's heart, because when you connect with the person's heart, you earn their trust. And when you earn their trust, you then begin to develop, that's the foundation to a relationship, to a friendship, folks, not transactional. And the way we can be uh, connected with that person is by us sharing our story. If you notice, listen, I haven't even heard uh, Sean's story here next, but I'm willing to bet that that dude, just like Ari, is going to share about some of the crap that he went through in life, some of those challenges, vulnerable, right? And so it goes counterintuitive to what society and the corporate world teaches us. You go onto a lot of people's companies' web pages, and there are you know values, you know, transparent and this and that. I'm like, okay, Mr. CEO, if you're so transparent, why aren't you sharing some of your vulnerabilities, some of your struggles? Because there's a way to do it professionally, authentic, not Facebook. Facebook the way you know most people do it so I leave you with those three things folks embrace your journey value your identity and the and being vulnerable there is strength in being vulnerable thank you so much Oscar and we're going to have questions at the end but I do want to ask if you could tell our audience a little bit about what it is you do so but here's his thing is, is that, so my company is Beta Consulting. We provide culturally relevant career and leadership training um, on the corporate side. And then also we work with a lot of colleges and universities. And then I also do some consulting work. But um, I will tell you this, folks. When, I, when uh, Christine reached out to me and asked me to be on this panel, and the title is I Love My Job, I started reflecting on that. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I actually don't love my job. What I love is the positive impact that I have on other people. Because my core values is I love helping other people dream bigger. I love inspiring them. And I love love serving others. And I just so happen to be blessed that the vehicle that I'm currently using, i.e. my business, is helping me accomplish those three things. But I am not tied to my vehicle because if tomorrow I choose to hop in a different vehicle, my core values will remain the same. And I think one of the challenges that we oftentimes find ourselves is that we hitch our wagon on a job, not on like what Christine mentioned earlier, those values, right? And what truly is our passion and so forth. So it's a little bit about what I do. Thank you so much. Um, Can we move to Sean now? Sure, thanks Oscar for sharing uh, your story. Um, definitely a lot of uh, uh, synergies for sure. And, you know, I, I've been to a lot of panels where it's mainly about their story. Uh, I want to cover a little bit about my story, but then really uh, provide some opportunities that are tangible for you all to participate in if you choose to do so. <clears throat> so just quickly, um, 
I definitely want to leave a lot of time for question and answers because it's more about you all, not us. But uh, my story kind of started out with kind of just doing what I love doing. And, and, at, and when I was uh, 16, I started a car club um, in the top left. And uh, you can kind of see my brother and I, uh, we had a car club called ZT Miosi. And, you know, I was 16 running a car club of about 40 people from Palo Alto to Berkeley to Richmond, San Jose. Um, and that eventually became a passion that turned into something a lot bigger, which actually influenced a movie called uh, The Fast and the Furious. So uh, my brother and I actually were credited to starting the concept of Fast and Furious, if you Google that. Uh, and, and really what that taught me was how to build a movement. So it wasn't about cars. It wasn't about uh, being flashy. It was really about how to build a movement. And in the top right, um, my mom, a small business owner, immigrant mother, um, single immigrant mother, who uh, basically uh, was a furniture designer and taught me the importance of community. All of her customers were mainly Black and Latino, and, and I would wonder why she always talked to them for, for hours on, on end without buying anything. And she said, Sean, it's about building a community and cultivating trust, right? So really, again, with building a movement with my mom and building a community and understanding community into the bottom right where um, I turned my love into hip hop into a, a TV show called Pushing the Bay TV. Uh, and even release some albums on Spotify if you look at MCT. But with that, the music thing taught me um, how important technology was. So we started YouTube in 2007, uh, and in one year we had 30 million views. And again, it wasn't about the 30 million, million views, it was about the power of technology. So between building a movement, between community, between um, the love of hip hop and technology, I started a company called bridge good. And um, that's where I'm right now actually in the studio. And for anyone that's creative, which I think everyone on this call is, um, it's all about design for social good. What does that mean? So how do you design products, um, which means apps, websites, uh, even traditional design into things that are for social good. Um, so here you can see some of our uh, UX design apprentice, apprentices uh, on a billboard in West Oakland. Um, everything from Efri, who has a love for design, but didn't know how to translate that into a career. For Alyssa, who is an illustrator, but didn't know how to monetize, how to make money from that. Uh, we really believe that creativity can and is changing the world. Um, what can you all take a, a advantage of? Um, if any of you want to enter a design challenge, you can go to inspireoakland.com, uh, write that down, and you can actually participate for the chance for your artwork to be on billboards. Um, so there's Dominic, right? And again, it's not about us as entrepreneurs. It's always about the people we serve. Um, there's Dominic born and raised in East Oakland with his two beautiful children, who now is a very successful designer. And in fact, we just hired Dominic for a year long project as well. So inspireoakland.com if you're interested in entering a design challenge that's happening now. Um, the apprenticeship is for anyone here that loves design, but wants to enter a tech career. Um, so you can go to uxapprenticeship.info. It's a free three month tuition free program where you can learn user experience design. Typically these range from 7,500 to $15,000 to attend. 
through BridgeGood, it is free. Um, last but not least, you can go to bridgegood.com right now uh, and sign up for a free portfolio. For So anyone here that's an artist, creative, photographer, uh, you can sign up right now and get a free portfolio. Everything I'm presenting is free. So uh, definitely take advantage of all of these. And then last but not least, I'm here in the studio uh, where we're in Jack Lennon Square waterfront facility where you all can come out, hang out, uh, and, and definitely, you know, talk to some mentors and level up with design. So um, that's basically what I had to share. I wanted to keep it super light on myself, but provide you all with opportunities because it's all about you. And, and we really believe that creativity can change the world. So uh, happy to answer any questions you have. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sean, thank you so much. Um, I am so inspired by all three of you. And I think it's just wonderful to have you available to tell that tell the stories to the students that you know, sometimes things don't go the way you want them to, but then something better comes along. And I think your ability to be flexible and resilient is a really important point. Um, I do have a list of questions that came through when people signed up for the workshop, but I'd rather open it up um, to the audience. And if you have a question, feel free to just go ahead and unmute yourself and ask, or if you prefer to put it in the chat, then I can ask it for you. But please, please take advantage of the fact that our speakers are right here in front of you. So was it open open questions right now? Open questions right now, okay. and if not, I have I have many questions. Yeah, Matthew, your crew. Do you have any questions? Marcel, Samantha, Emily, Kazatia, Elnara, Alex. Any of you have questions? Can you participate in the UX design program? Absolutely. UXApprenticeship.info. Um, please apply. Sign up on BridgeGood now. Absolutely, it's, it's a really cool program. Um, our designers have gone on to work for places like Etsy, YouTube, Google, and those that don't wanna be in tech, you don't have to be in tech. You can work at a small business, but the same principles of UX design and design thinking really can get you a job anywhere, for sure. I have a question that came from our, um, our incoming surveys. And I think some of you, uh, or one of you addressed this already, but did your major have anything to do with what you're doing now? And if not, how did you um, reconcile in your mind that you had a major that's not going to lead to directly to a career? I started off with the economics degree from Davis and um, I worked in consulting for a year and I knew that wasn't my path, but I'd say that, um, you know, learning business and learning accounting are all are all helpful tools for starting your own business later. Um, when I made the decision to become an artist, I quit and went to art center, art, art school. So I went to art center in Pasadena. Um, so sometimes you'll have to go back and, you know, get training. It sounds like Sean's got an amazing program if you if you're interested in like building apps and UX design. So you know, whatever it is that's out there. I'd encourage you to just like go learn what you need to learn. You know, sometimes there's a program, sometimes there's not a program and you just got to figure it out, <laughs> you know, but um, what you end up doing usually later on is kind of this unique combination of all of you following your curiosity. Yeah, I, I, uh, I learned early on, my major was Chicago studies and I, I realized early on in college that um, it didn't really matter what I was, going to major in because I wasn't going to be a computer science, you know, 
programmer. I wasn't going to be an accountant and so forth. And so for the most part, uh, I chose a major that I love the subject. Now, um, one of th I've learned several things from that uh, that I still use today. One is uh, as a Chicano studies major, me being, you know, Chicano or now, you know, Latinx, Latino, is that I learned, like I mentioned earlier, how to value my story, right? Uh, culture, et cetera, and so forth. But the other thing that's really important to uh, Ari's point about business is, is that through that major, I learned how to look at things from a different perspective instead of the traditional lens. Because for example, in US history, we talk about World War II and you know, et cetera and so forth. But during World War II, Mexican-Americans were being discriminated. There was a zoot suit riots and stuff like that. And I used to, when I learned that, I used to wonder like, oh my God, how come I didn't learn this part of US history and traditional US history? And so from a business standpoint, I've learned how to look at things from multiple angles, not just from a very you know, uh, focused, narrow perspective. It definitely wanted to get to Samantha's question um, about what was your biggest sacrifice you had to make? And is there such thing as work-life balance? That could be a two-hour uh, conversation by itself. Uh, but uh, I would say that the biggest sacrifice for myself is, and how to make it relevant to you all, is deciding on what you think success is. If you think success is starting your own company, uh, cool. But I will tell you that for a lot of people, they're not cut for it. Like, and, and it's okay. I know for me personally, um, uh, I, I, I just work too much, you know? So 14 to 16 hour days, grinding three to four different jobs before I started BridgeGood. Um, uh, and there's a lot of, it's a lot, it's very stressful uh, to be a CEO entrepreneur. That's why I don't use titles of CEO because I think it's cheesy. Because honestly, titles don't matter when you get into it. Um, but what I would say for you all is that, you know, make sure whatever path you want to do, whether it's being an entrepreneur or whether it's a nine to five, it's okay if that's what you consider successful. Um, in terms of work-life balance, um, if you do a nine to five, which means you go to work, you go home, there is such thing as work-life balance. Um, you have very clear set schedules. I know for me, I wanted to do something for legacy. To, so when I'm not here, that hopefully something that I did or someone that I inspired um, will would would be here when I'm gone. So that's what I live for. Um, so it's something much bigger than myself. But I also don't want to uh, knock anybody here that is like, I just want to go to work and go home because that's cool too, if that's what you think success is. Uh, so, and then just real fast, uh, Elnar, you said uh, what people will be prioritized applying to the UX design program. Uh, for me, uh, it's just that you bring the passion. So if you're passionate about learning, um, you understand that no one knows it all. That's a really humble, good attitude to have. That's all I care about because uh, for me, the order that I get, I realize I know less and less. So as long as you have an open mind, you want to learn user experience, you love community, you, you love technology and design, um, that's all it is. So we don't necessarily prioritize one person, but the passion and energy you bring to the group of Bridget. Yeah. I have a different perspective on work-life balance. Um, and it's very practical. And here's my question. Since when is family equally as important as a job? Not in my book. It's not, my family is way more important than a job. I can replace a job like that. I've transitioned careers 11 times. 
Okay. So I, when people ask work-life balance, I'm like, uh, my family's more important. So I'm always going to be out of balance towards my family. So that's what I focus. And I tell you this also for personal experience too, folks, because when I worked for startups, there were times when I would come home from lunch, every, I mean, come, come back to the office from lunch, walking out of the elevator and the CFO calls me into his office and he says, Oscar, sit down. He says, this is it for you. I was used to it. Most uh, I, I, every 90, every uh, um, 18 months, I was out of a job looking for another one. I'm like, hey, I'm out of here, fine. So again, my loyalty is to my family, to my dreams, not to a job. Thank you. I think um, Professor Tran has a question. Hi, Sean, Oscar, and Ari. Thank you so much for giving uh, graciously of your time for us and sharing your personal stories. Uh, my question is a little more practical. My question is, how do you reconcile between your passion and making ends meet? Because sometimes your passion does not really pay the bills. And for us, for most of us, we have responsibilities, financial responsibilities that we need to keep. So throughout your career journey, and I think Ari touched on this, and also Sean as well, too, that um, you struggled along the way financially until you kind of until you you've kind of settled to where you're right now so how did you reconcile between that between the, the that that making ends meet and following your passion that's a great question uh, i always tell people and students do what you need to do to make ends meet first so i'll start there my first job was mcdonald's at 14 and a half um and that taught me the most about my my career honestly um from customer service to people that were rude to just getting up and doing the grind. Uh, in terms of making ends meet, for me personally, I, I had financial aid all through college. Um, and I also had, like I mentioned, three to four jobs up until I did Bridgegood. So I was working for the former chief scientist at Amazon, Andreas Weigand, who created the recommendation system. Um, I was working at Facebook as a contractor. So I had all these kind of side tech jobs. And then what happened was I had to make a decision four years into the nonprofit. Do I basically try to do five things at once or do I focus on one thing? So in 2020, in 2016, uh, I decided to give up four of the things and just focus on Bridgegood. And in that year we got funded by Google. So we basically went from a company that we didn't pay anyone um, to Google funded. So, but to get to that point, it took a lot of sacrifice. And so to, to kind of amplify what, what Oscar was saying, if you value family, being an entrepreneur probably isn't for you, honestly, because there's so much of being successful that you're gonna make those sacrifices, whether it's 15 hour days to um, not seeing people on vacations, right? And, um, but to answer your question directly, it was doing a lot of kind of odd jobs to fill the gaps to make ends meet, which was very difficult. For me, I, I, I think um, something that Sean talked about is if you're going to go the entrepreneur route, um, there are no one else, there is nobody else. You have to do everything. And so um, I like to, I try not to think of it as um, you have to do either or because your family supports you, you support them. Um, the first thing with any kind of business, if you're going to start a business, is that the business is not about you, it's about a service or a product. And so the way that if you're going to start a successful business, it's actually to figure out what your customer needs. And then the next part to that is, is uh, marketing and sales. 
And so um, for me, financially, things started really working when I started my own business and learned marketing and sales. Um, so Storyteller Academy, we are able to generate revenue because we know how to run ads and we know how to put on a good promotion and we know how to help students get real value. Um, when I was <coughs> dreaming about making picture books, I worked at startups and I went to the highest paying startup, you know, and I worked on really dumb games that I didn't like, which made me unhappy, but you know, you do what you gotta do, right? And then to go to art school, I took a lot of loans and I had loans to pay. Um, when I decided to make picture books, there are sacrifices. So I moved home, gave up my apartment in San Francisco. Uh, I moved back in with my with my mom and my brother and my dad, and you know they were like they were supporting me because I didn't have to pay rent, you know. And I took that rent money and paid my loans and made half the money that I made before just to pursue the dream. And uh, I think kind of what Sean's saying too is uh, you got to do whatever you got to do until you find the right combination. Um, and a lot of times, you know, people say things like oh, follow your dreams, but what does that mean? You know, you kind of have to just try a lot of different things and, uh, and, and follow that instinct and learn. And then you're able to put it together in a unique way that makes you you. Yeah. yeah. But I think that some, you know, some foundational things that I believe everyone should learn is everyone should learn about the creative process. How do you take ideas and make them to something? Everyone should learn about design. Um, whether it's user design or, or experiential design or even just basic graphic design. And everyone should definitely learn about marketing and sales. Because uh, in every single thing, whether you're getting a job or you're selling a product or selling a service, you are marketing yourself and, you're, and you've got to get the sale. <laughs> so, um, and that's what like marketing and sales brings, you know, that's what puts money in, in, in the bank. <laughs> Thank you. You answered those uh, questions perfectly. Thank you. I think another thing to add on to, to what everyone was saying was building a track record, I think is like probably the most important thing. What a track record means is basically, why should people trust you, right? That, that's like the biggest thing. And especially when you have funders, whether you're a for-profit, in our case, a nonprofit. Um, I know for us, we had to work with Google for five years straight before they gave us any financial support. Um, with Salesforce, we had to work with them for four years. Twitter is another funder. With Twitter, we've been working with, with them since 2013. So, you know, if you can build years of, of, of like, hey, we're working with them from programs to, um, to uh, volunteer efforts, they can trust you. But building that trust, you have to do a lot of sacrifices because most of the time building that trust, you're not getting paid. It's just working together. So it really comes down to how much do you believe in the product that you're building or the business that you're building I, and can you like to, uh, to, to the point about marketing and advertising, can you showcase why people should trust you? Because it's not just about trust me, it's about showcasing that. So we've been around for 13 years now and it's a lot easier because we've been around for 13 years in terms of people trusting us as bridge group. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm checking the chat to see if there's any other questions from the audience, but someone sent me a direct message that they'd like me to ask. And that is, um, and some of you touched on this, but can you tell a success story of someone who's you've worked with, who's gone on to be a great success in whatever way?
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go. Um, I would say a guy named Jonathan Freeman, who started with Bridgegood about five years ago, went through our program and he got really frustrated because after he left our program, he just, the confidence was gone, right? So he spent about three years sending out resumes and cover letters randomly, which we never suggest, by the way. And he just did it out of frustration, out of desperation. And he came back to us last year and he went through a program again and went through another program of ours. Uh, and he finally landed his first job, like his first real solid job. And he just bought his brand new car. But it took him five years, you know, of making mistakes. So don't, and I think Oscar, I think you might've said it. Someone said this earlier about, you know, or I think actually, Christine, you said it, that you graduate and people give off that they're doing perfectly, that they're doing great. In most cases, it's not true, you know, and, and in this case, it took five years and he finally made it, but um, no journey is linear. No journey is perfect. Uh, and you have to, you have to embrace your own journey. So it takes time. You know what, um, something I want to uh, leave all of you here um, that are starting off in your career and something that uh, Sean and Ari touched upon. Uh, Sean mentioned this about how his, his organization now has built trust. They have 13 years. Folks, let me tell you something, okay? All of you, I don't care if, you know, you're an ESL kid for you to reduce lunch. I don't know. I don't care if you're like a super TikTok influencer or whatever. Start sharing content. Share your expertise, the content on social media. Let people know the work that you do don't worry if your work is not top. Listen, two years ago, when we went into the pandemic, the shutdown, and I did my very first webinar, I mean, seriously, honestly, God, okay, I, I sucked at it. I was nervous talking to a silly little camera. Most people have their cameras turned off, but I kept doing it, kept doing it, and I kept putting content out, content out, highlighting my expertise. And I'm going to tell you something. One of the ways to beat 40-plus-year-olds and getting your foot in the door is by putting content because most 40 plus year olds constantly are saying, I'm not techie or they're not, they don't want to be vulnerable, right? Because that's, you know, there's not comfortable. The challenge that most of you young folks have, uh, have is most of you are oversharing and sharing stuff that quite frankly is going to detriment your career. But if you share content about your skill sets, your expertise, and be in it for the long run, um, guarantee you that you will attract opportunities uh, to you. Ari, did you wanna add something there? Oh, I was just gonna share some, um, we have lots of uh, students um, go on to uh, publish with Macmillan and HarperCollins and, all the big publishers. And now we have a few students as well that are starting to self-publish their books and learning about business and actually making their own, basically their own book business. Um, so, you know, everyone from like, say, let's say Nicole Chen, who she used to work at Facebook and um, as on, on the Instagram team. And, um, and she was just writing her stories at night, you know, so I think it's just a win if you're doing something that you enjoy, you know, whether you become published or not. But um, if you stick to like your goals and you, and you pursue them over a long period of time, you eventually get there. 
Thank you so much. I wanna be respectful of everyone's time and we're starting to run out of it, but I do wanna ask the panelists if you have any questions for our students. Yeah, uh, Matthew, just because you have the, the full crew there, uh, what is the biggest challenge for you three? Like what, what scares you the most about graduating or just your career? I feel like the biggest thing that is scary to me about, um, I don't know, just college in general and growing up is that I'm going to be like going into the, like a major study for all these years um, about something that I'm not really passionate about or something that um, I'm just doing to do. And then like years later, just like, you know, regret it and then feel so behind. That's deep, Matthew. So Matthew, question for you. What do you love doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Like the number one thing? On a day-to-day -day basis? I mean, I don't know, it's hard to say. I mean, I like, I like talking to people. Um, I feel like- stop right, Let's stop right there, Matthew. Like if you know you're a communications person, you just solved like half of it, honestly. Because just going back to myself with running a car club, like managing and leading people, that concept right there by itself was what I still do today. So if you know that you love talking to people and you're passionate about it, do something around that. And then your major, by the way, it's just a piece of paper. Just I'm being hella honest with you. It's a piece of paper. You're gonna do great, Matthew. But but here for me, man, if you if you like talking to people, pursue someone around that. For sure. Thank you, man. I really do appreciate it. For sure, Matthew. Good luck. You could also, by the uh, just add a couple of things is don't ever feel like you're behind because there's no race. The race is yourself, and you can always change. You know, if you're like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore, try something else, you know. I think I, I feel like the, the most important thing is to is to be curious and be excited about what you're doing and don't be afraid to change, you know? Like there are no wasted experience. The only wasted experience you have is if you know that you needed to change and you didn't and you just started, you st stayed where you were, you know? But I think like a lot of us know kind of, we have an internal voice, internal clock that tells us and kind of guides us a bit. And, um, you know, I think, I think Sean's advice of like knowing who you are and there's lots of different ways that you can find find a passion, you know, and, and just get started, like volunteer or take that internship or take that new, new job. Um, I read this book that kind of talked about like how the, the advice of, you know, follow your dreams and pursue your passion isn't on alone, alone isn't uh, good advice because some people like quit to become yoga teachers or, or to, you know, they think they're going to travel the world and then they do that and then they're not happy. You know, they're like, oh, I thought this, this isn't what I thought it would be. And what they've kind of shown that, that happiness is actually usually in community and in, in, in providing um, a great service and, and creating value. And you can do that in so many different ways, you know, um, so it's, you know, there's no one path or one right answer. You just got to try things and know yourself and be self-aware and then not be afraid to change when you're like, this isn't, this isn't the thing for me. I think there's a question from Victor. What are good skills that you develop during the process of building your career and business? Um, two, knowing when to say no, like not every opportunity is good. And the second, and I'm still working on this, is being a better listener. 
um, uh, because listening is kind of central to user experience design, human-centered design. And you can learn a lot by listening and asking questions like Matthew, what was the, what was the thing that you do every day? It's like communication, right? By just listening to people, you can learn a lot. So um, definitely learning and, and learning when to say no. Yeah. yeah, the other is, is that I think um, uh, skill is knowing how to network uh, as an introvert myself. I don't like that word networking because it kind of scares me and kind of has a sort of a yucky connotation. I actually refer to it as being a friend. In fact, actually, when Christine uh, connected uh, Sean, Ari and I, I looked them up on LinkedIn, both of them, and I sent them an invitation to connect on LinkedIn. That's the first step right there, folks networking because it's building those relationships and you know who knows maybe 10 years down the road i might be reaching out to sean i'm like hey dude are you hiring i'll sweep your floors or you know you just never know right so that's one one skill the other is and ari i mean he's a pro at this um and that is learning how to tell stories in business, in your communication, people relate to stories more so than to just pure facts and numbers. I used to be very like intellectual, like, you know, connect with facts and so forth. And I realized that the power, there's the, a power in, in storytelling. Thank you so much. I think we're running out of time. I think we could have this going on all afternoon. That's such a great discussion. I really want to thank you for taking the time to tell your stories and to give some advice to our students. Um, and for the students who are in the audience, I do want to let you know that this is just one of several events that we're having as part of the Fall in Love with the Career Series. So we hope to see you again. Um, but again, thank you so much for all of your kind words and for your, um, your insight. Really appreciate it. We hope to see you again soon. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Career Talk with OG. Be sure to rate us and let us know what content you want to see on our next podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.aspedaconsulting.com. Thank you.